0: This is the first time I've ever worked with this horse. As a matter of fact, I met it about 10 minutes ago. This is Harley, and Harley's freaking right now. I don't know if you can tell by his composure. But what I wanted to do this morning is show you a little bit about what horses do and don't do. And hopefully, he's not going to run 1,000 miles an hour away so, when a horse is born, how many of you have ever seen a baby horse? Yeah. They're gangly. Babies, when they were born, how many of your babies, when they were born, could come out running? kids did you know horses as soon as they're born within a few hours are already walking and then within a day they can run almost as fast as their mama so we're going to let him walk for just a minute see if he can figure this out Shh. it's my ear Walk on good boy don't run away good boy but one of the things I wanted to show you that we're going to try to do, so gotta, I'm going to work with this horse, is they have little nerve endings God made horses special. They've got little nerve endings right here on their nose. And if you wiggle that nerve ending, they will move their feet backwards. So then what you try to do with a horse when you're training a horse is horses already know how to move the day that they're born. They already know how to do all of it. They can go forward, backward, sideways, diagonal, up. I know, it's scary, isn't it? And down. So what I wanted to show you is that if I move this nerve, he'll try to back off of that pressure. Back up. Just like that. Then what you try to do is then you take that and you go, I'm going to do this, and it's the exact same thing. Good boy. And he'll back up. So then what we try to do, and this is this is gonna be the trick. Ooh. Back up, back up. You want to come this way? There you go, back up, back up, back up. So if I can get this wiggling the way that I did this, he should back off of that. Okay, let's try this. Back up, back up, back up. Back up, right, back up. Let's try it one more time. Back, good, good boy, back up. He's got a fly under here. Come on, good. So we're gonna try one more time. Come here, buddy. Back up, back up up. I know. People are scary, aren't they? You know what most cowboys say? The more they're around their horses, the less they like people. Back up. back up today didn't you back up good so anyway since he's kind of freaky right now eventually with all of that training what you can do with the horse and my horses at at the house all i have to do is stand in front of them and go i don't even have to touch them don't even have to do anything and i just wiggle my finger and that's enough pressure that horse to start backing up so horses learn the way horses learn right and when you go to teach a horse if you don't know what you're doing guess what's going to happen to the horse training not going to go so good is it right so today we're talking about training and we're talking about training with the family and you did pretty good we'll give you a solid b plus on that He's calmed down a little bit. Um, Matt, where should we put him? Everybody say hi to Matt Keiter. Matt is our neighbor that lives right here. So when you pull up the way to the left there and you see cows and everything, this is Matt's horse, Harley. So Matt is our neighbor and those are his lovely, lovely boys. Uh Uh-oh. That's hi, dad. Rescue me, yeah, and we've got a treat, oh yeah, awesome, so everybody do what they do on TV when Tiger gets in one, we give them a golfer's clap. Hi, Hi. how you doing? Good. Good. So I wanted to do that. I I had no clue how that was gonna work out this morning, but I wanted to do that kind of as a little object lesson so you all could see the process that sometimes it takes to train. So this morning, we're um, kind of bridging off of what Matt talked about last week with our core values. Does anybody remember? what the core values are? G stands for? God's glory, awesome. R as in grove, so R stands for? Relationships, awesome. Next one is O, stands for? Opportunities, I see that hand. Those lovely flowers out there those are awesome. and then V stands for vibrant alive yes and then the last one is everyone so we're going we're going to bridge off of that today and our goal is to kind of get an understanding of how it is and why it is that that, that we do something that that Christ commanded us to do and that's the word called discipleship so any who who in here is in elementary school awesome awesome how many of you know what the word disciple means how many of you know what the word discipline means how many of you have been disciplined or have to discipline yeah yeah so so is discipline bad? Son, I need to discipline you. That's usually not what my dad said. My dad would say, go to my room. Oh, I knew it was coming next, right? But is discipline the same as punishment? No, not at all. So so what I want to make sure today is that we talk about that and, and, and get a little bit of an understanding. Kids, if you were a kid in this room, in this place, the word discipline means to train or to instruct in how you go. It's a discipline. And Christ called us to become disciple makers, right? What do you think he meant by that? That was was one of the last things that he said to his followers, as you go, therefore, make disciples. Make disciples of who? Make disciples of what? Make disciples of all nations. Who are they, who are they being discipled after? Who, what are they learning? Does anybody know? Okay, so basically everything that I've taught you, I want you to take and teach. I want them to learn. Who, who is this being commanded to? Everyone, everyone, y'all are so far away. I feel like I'm gonna jump out and get close to you, right? With my social distancing that I have none of. So the, the, the key verse, there, there's a number of verses that we're gonna dig into, but the, the one that I want to um, jump into this morning is, um, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. And it's verses 4 through 9. And, and so much of the beautiful relationship that the children of Israel had with God was this, this continual disciplining process that God would take his people through. How many of your kids are perfectly obedient? If you have perfectly obedient kids in... in Let me see a hand. The kids are raising their hand, but the parents are not. Do, Do the kids get it right the first time? No. Did Harley get it right the first time? No, were there a lot of things going on in Harley's life that was keeping him from, from really getting what, what I was trying to show him? Did he sort of get it? Well, look at, look at what scripture says. Hear, O Israel, starting at verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Our Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command, check this out. They shall be on your heart. Why does he say that first? Why does God make that, make that part of this important promise? In order for you to teach it, it has to be real in your life first. It has to be a passion I love horses. I know that there are some horse people in here. Um, I love horses. I could be around them all day long. But if I'm going to train and teach the horse to do what I would like it to do, it might be wise for me to be passionate about what it is that I'm wanting them to know and learn, right? And for the children of Israel, God was saying to them, in order for you to be passionate about what it is that you're going to teach, you have to be passionate. Love the Lord your God with what? Part of your heart, because there are other things that are just as important. With all your mind, well, there's other things I'm thinking about, there are other things I'd rather do, there's other things I'm interested in. With everything that you possess, love. Love me and then take these now and teach them. And so, so when he goes forward in this command, he says, you shall teach them how? Diligently, diligently, what's that mean? Non-ceasing, hit and miss, once in a while, inconsistently, when it's convenient, no teach these things diligently to your children you shall talk about them these commands this lifestyle which basically was simply this love God with everything that you possess and love others with that same passionate pursuit and 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 this is what God's commanding you to do so he says teach this you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So discipleship for our kids. What does that sound like to, to us as, as adults? Does it sound easy? Does it sound like something that's going to work immediately? Discipline is a lifelong process, and it's an all-the-time process. And so as, as we move forward here at the Grove, one of the things that I think we need to, to really take into account is what discipleship looks like for the family. What discipleship looks for the family how many of you have been or are connected in some sort of grow group on a somewhat basis? You've, you've been involved in one or you are involved in one other than just coming to the first part of the service. And, and what I mean by that is this, that's an opportunity for you to be growing. When I was, when I was a um, younger dad, My kids were were first coming on the scene. There were a lot of times when um, I was so, so happy to get to church and go. Bye-bye. I'll find you later. But I wasn't doing that because I didn't want them to be with me. I wasn't doing that because I didn't want them to not hang out with me in the service because they're going to be loud and obnoxious and try to crawl under the pews. We had pews at, at Hillside Chapel. They were bright powder blue and soft, and I may or may not have slept a couple of times, but it's beside the point. But when my kids went to church, I knew that there were some, some amazing people that were committed to loving on my kids. And one of the things that I think as we press forward into this, it says in Ephesians chapter five, listen to this phrase. Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators. Did you catch that? In the discipleship process, we are imitating. What do we imitate? We imitate God, right? As we imitate God, people are watching. People are listening. People are checking you out. And it says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That literally goes back to all the way back to Deuteronomy when he says, these are what I want you to do. I want you to have this passionate love pursuit of me. And this passionate agape love, unconditional love for everyone else. Jesus goes on to say that in in his continuing to discipline and disciple and train the disciples in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love one another as I have loved you. By this will the whole world know that you're my disciple. And so... As, as we dig into figuring out what, what we're going to be doing in ministry, we need to be thinking of discipling the family. Some of the analogies that, that, that we see in scripture about the church, the body of Christ, is that we are members, right? So as Christ followers, we are members of the body. So there's that metaphor. And, and Eric and I were talking earlier that not everybody's a hand in the body. Not everybody's a foot in the body. Not everybody's a knee, but 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 we are all collective members of the body of Christ. Well, it also says that we're dearly loved children. Ephesians chapter 2. Woo. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says this so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but fellow citizens with the saints and check this out there's the word members of the household of God so not only are we metaphorically and spiritually the body of Christ we also become a household we become a family So the discipleship process now starts to take a little bit of a a different tone and a different turn. Because we have a bunch of things in Scripture. If we go down to where it says in Ephesians chapter 6, which was my, I love to say this to my kids. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you use that with your kids? Bible says you're supposed to obey. Right? I would love it if Paul would have stopped right there. Loved it. And then I would try to use like, like the fake Bible verses. Well, son, Hezekiah 3.17 says your father knows what's best and you need to listen to what he says, even though there's no Hezekiah in the Bible. It just sounded good. And I come up with these humdingers and, and it never worked out well. But scripture does say this. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And it talks about the honoring of the parents, that it may go well with you. But then here's the zinger. This is where it starts to not get a whole lot of fun because in the same breath, Paul continues with this. Fathers, do not provoke your child to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What do your children need to obey? Do your children need to obey you because you know everything? No. Do your children need to obey you because what you say goes? No. Do your children need to obey you because you rule with an iron fist? I was waiting on that one. Yes. No. Your children need to obey you in the Lord because you are instructing them and disciplining them and training them in the Lord. Their obedience is not to you, their obedience is becoming to their father, to their heavenly father. How many of you are praying for your kids that if they have not yet received Jesus Christ, that they will receive Jesus Christ, that, that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Oh, this, is, this is hot. I almost feel like I need to kind of mask this off. Um, If they are not yet saved, does that mean that you are not discipling them yet? No. You are still discipling them because you are still exposing them to the love, hope, and truth of Jesus Christ. So it's what's called pre-conversion discipleship. And then having that beautiful, joyous moment of, of going, wow, the Lord has just drawn them and they have seen and felt and heard that convicting work of the Holy Spirit, and they confess Jesus as Lord, guess what your, your kids automatically become? Members of the body of Christ, members in the same household, and they are now your brother and sister, or brother or sister, not brother and, brother or sister in Christ, because we're all children of God. So here's where I think it's very interesting. The discipleship process that we have going on here at the Grove should be for the family. Did you catch that? Our grow groups should be for the family. You're discipling from the top down because all are members of the body of Christ if they are saved. And if they are not yet saved, then we are doing what's called pre-conversion discipleship and we are loving them because we want them to see Jesus in us because we are imitators of God. How many of you have heard the the, the Proverbs 3 or Proverbs 22, 6? Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart. That's not necessarily the, the scriptural guarantee of salvation. What that is is more of you knowing the uniqueness of your child and encouraging and disciplining them and training them in the way that they should go in life. My middle child is... Just finished being in the Navy and now has enrolled in um, college at the University of Louisville. See, nobody else got excited. If Travis was here, he would have been—he would have been throwing up the L. So, Travis, if you're watching, there's your, there's your Louisville sign. Um, what do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Rob's not buying it either. My youngest child is a firefighter. Now, I've never fought a fire. I've never ridden in a fire truck. I used to try to set fires in my backyard, but it's a a whole nother story. I've never been to medical school. I'm not a doctor. I did play one on TV, Um, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a firefighter. I couldn't ever train my children in the way that they should go. But I can certainly encourage, can I? Church, how do we train the body in the way that they should go? Because we're all in it together. And I think one of the things that I see as a beautiful opportunity for our church to grab a hold of is this understanding that we are about family. And so I'm not just training my kids. Ryan family, Pete and Jeannie, you're not just training your family. Rob and Jesse, you're not the only one training Sawyer. Because we are all part of the family, we are all children, we should all be part of what that training process looks like. And coming alongside in encouragement, in discipleship, instruction in the Lord, and also just recognizing the uniqueness of where people are in their life and say, man, I want to come alongside you and, and just build you up and help train you. I like singing. Frank, do you like singing? <laughs> Olivia, do you, do you get your Harry? but I wanted to observe that because we had an opportunity to see that discipline and that training come into play today because is that Jace back there? Jace was back there? Yeah. Big hair and all. That's, I'm only saying that because I'm jealous. You know that, don't you? Okay. And family. the family's not on their own. Because we are all part of the family of God. So as we look at our our core values, God's glory, relationships, opportunities, vibrant, and everyone. All of that gives us that, that framework for saying, we here at the Grove expect to disciple the family. And we are all tasked to do that. I want you to understand that. As, as, as we are working on a discipleship plan for, for this new season, this new next year coming around, because we've really had such a delay in the start of, of, the, of the 2020 ministry season with everything that's kind of happened. So we're looking at kind of amping things up here at the end of the summer and we go into the fall. But I want you to recognize and understand that as we do this, you have a a significant part and role in this is because every single one of us has been called to be a disciple maker. And I want you to think about what that looks like for you in your life. I want you to think about what that means for you and your family and go, wow, I'm part of a very big family. I got a whole lot of brothers and sisters because we're all children and adopted and get to call God our father. So not only were we a a body with unique parts that, that work uniquely well in community with all of the other parts of the body, but we're all members of the household. We're all family. And so I look at these kids that are out here and I'm talking young kids all the way as young as, as Rob. Right, Rob? Because I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm sliding downhill fast. But I have been given a unique opportunity to disciple. And I take that seriously. And so my encouragement to you all today, how will you partner with the Grove in being a disciple who is a disciple maker? Who makes disciples who will be disciple makers? How will you be a part of that? What are the things that the Lord has given you? Your skills, your abilities, your talents, your possessions, your passions? All of those are unique to you and you have grown up, you have been trained, you are continuing to be trained, but you are a disciple maker if you are a Christ follower and it's non-negotiable. So as we as we look to the future for discipleship here at the Grove, we're going to make this our sole goal is that we disciple the family. Everybody get that? We are about discipling the family from the youngest to the oldest. And we are all disciple makers. And we all have a responsibility in that because we've all been called to do that. And it makes me sad when I see a lot of people who go, you know what, I've done that, I did my job. I had had kids, I did the nursery duty, I did this, I did that and I'm old and tired and I don't wanna do it anymore. There's not a retirement clause in discipleship. And for you, maybe who are young in the faith, I can promise you there's still somebody younger in the faith than you. And you can be building in their lives. You can be loving on them. You can be encouraging them. You can take your testimony. How many of you have an amazing testimony of the transformational work of Jesus Christ in your life? Your story is your greatest witness. And you may connect with somebody in ways that I could never connect with them. Because it's not my area. It's not my strength. It's not my go-to. But it might be yours. And they may see, hear, and know the truth of Jesus Christ because you're imitating Christ the way you've been created. And that's a connection with them that I could never make. So Grove Church, we are a family. We are about family. And we are here to disciple family. Amen. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And I mean that. Thank you, Father. We love you. Clearly in us those that you bring in our lives that are not yet Christ followers may they see Jesus in us because we are imitators of Jesus Christ as loved children father I thank you for the grove and for all those that serve continue to strengthen your body that we would become effective disciples who are disciple makers who make disciples who become disciple makers for the glory of jesus christ and building up his church and his kingdom we love you and thank you and it's in the name of jesus the head of the church that we ask all these things amen